Welcome to the Essential Stepmom Podcast, your source for advice and inspiration about the womanly art of raising someone else's kids. I'm Tracy, and this is episode 15, the final episode in this first season of Essential Stepmom. It's the final episode because starting next week, I'll be focusing on taking care of the women in Stepmom Success Lab, my turbo training workshop to get you rocking your stepmom role ASAP. I'll tell you more about that program at the end. And if you want to keep hearing the sound of my voice between now and the middle of October, there's still room for you to join us. Today's episode is an interview with Marit Miller. You probably don't know her name. I didn't know it myself until I found this amazing woman on Instagram who was writing stuff I wished I had said myself. I reached out to her and only then realized that she was the author of the revised version of the famous Disengaging Essay. If you haven't read that, look for the link in the show notes. I'll make sure it's there. I could talk to Marit all day. Our first conversation was two hours long, and I think you'll enjoy her too. Here she is. So hi, Marit. Thank you so much for doing this. Hi, thanks for having me. This is really great. And um, I would love it if you could talk a little bit about the disengaging essay and how that came into your life. Sure, sure. Um, can, can I remember? It's been so long. Um, the disengaging essay came into my life exactly, well, I was going to say exactly what I needed to hear it, but if I'm honest, it's probably like about a year after I needed to hear it. Um, I, sorry, I just heard, I, sorry, I just heard all that clicking and I got super, oh, I was like, sorry. Oh, no, that, no, 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 it's that okay. was me. Um, so I, the original version of the essay was just a post on a, a forum that I think is still live step together dot org. Um, that it can be helpful, but a lot of times it's kind of bitter. And I found it on there and it was super eye-opening. And one line I remember particularly that hit me was that you cannot parent your husband's children more than he is willing to parent them himself. Yeah. And that moment just hit me so hard and it was so eye-opening because up until then, we definitely had friction in our family and we definitely had problems, but I, I didn't realize that was the problem. And when I read that, it was such a, an aha moment of, whoa, I didn't realize how much I had been contributing to just such a tense dynamic in our house. And... Um, <clears throat> And not even, not that, not that I felt blameless. I mean, I definitely, I felt like everything was my fault and I was failing. I just didn't understand why trying harder was making things worse. Right. And so when I, when I read that, I got it and it just hit home so hard. And I, over the next, you know, several months, maybe probably read that essay about a million times <laughs> and at that time, I was really active on Reddit and really involved in the step parenting subreddit and realized that a lot of people who are looking for help, you know, that, that advice isn't geared just towards step moms. Step dads can run into that dynamic also. Mm -hmm. I think 
I think maybe less or else we, we talk about it less or they're looking for help less. Uh, so I just I just realized that that a lot of the things about the essay I didn't agree with and it felt very very bitter, yeah. very very kind of um, throw up your hands and and uh, they're your kids you deal with them I'm not dealing with it kind of attitude which I, which I don't agree with and I wasn't okay with yeah. and so I just really after reading the essay took kind of a deep dive I was also at that time doing a lot of yoga and studying a lot of Eastern philosophies. And it all kind of gelled for me when I read about non-attachment, which is a Buddhist principle, I think in, is also in other Eastern religions. But just this concept of how our own attachment to our beliefs about how things should be or we want them to be is what causes us suffering. Right. And I, again, super eye-opening moment of, whoa. So... I kind of combined those, rewrote the essay, and created a new version that is applicable to stepmoms and stepdads, and is a little bit, I hope, less, a little less angry. It's hard because I think when you're at that place where you feel unsupported by your partner and rejected by your stepkids, and like you have tried well past the point of where you should continue trying, it's hard to not feel bitter. So I think a lot of us find the disengaging essay at our low point yeah. when we're angriest and least hopeful. And it's really hard to understand when you're in that place that disengaging truly is a positive thing and it's a good thing and it's what is best for your family. And it comes from a place of love, even if you don't feel loving when you first find it. Yeah. So, so that, so that's my, my little intro to the disengaging, my little disengaging yeah. story. That's great. That's great. I've, um, uh, well, I'm sure that I first came to it through your website. Uh, mm -hmm. And since then I've, you know, poked around and tried to try to find where, you know, an original version or, you know, just those reposted, reposted, but yeah. I just I just found reference to it from a 1999 post, so it's at least 20 right. years, you know. At... Yep, that really old post. That's probably the one that I came across mm -hmm. too, and it it really is. I, who knows who wrote it? No one knows. Yeah, wow. And but God bless that lady because it, for writing that out and putting it online, because she has helped so many yeah. other step parents understand that concept, even if I think she wasn't in the best place herself and I don't agree a hundred percent with what she wrote, the concept is sound. Exactly. Exactly. I agree with you. And I, um, I mean, my, my personal take on it is that that disengaging first of all is like the natural appropriate antidote to overstepping. Uh, yep, I love that. And I agree. And I think, you know, the very first podcast of my of this podcast series is on overstepping. And, and I think that it's something that you can hardly even avoid as a stepmom, mm -hmm. because this is a, you know, um, it's a new dynamic. It's a new relationship. Every stepchild is going to have a different line of where the overstepping happens. And right. you, you can't know until you've stepped over, like it's invisible right. until you've stepped over. And then, you know, you have to have a, 
a plan of how to make that right and how to do things differently. And we call that disengaging. But, yeah. But yep. it doesn't have to have a negative. Um, like, I agree with you. It is a, it's a positive step in your yeah. family. And yeah. somehow the, the word um, has a negative connotation. And the, the people who, um, Laurie and David Sims, who do the Nacho Kids thing, which mm -hmm. is really very much about disengaging, although it's, it's beyond that. But the basic principle is that these are Nacho Kids. They are someone else's kids. And you, right. can't, you can't parent more, more actively in any way, you can't care more about any one no. detail than, than the parents do. And that is so, so hard. hard. Yeah. That's where the overstepping happens because you do right. care. And right. it's, not, it's not stepping away from caring in the sense of saying, I don't care about you anymore. Right. I don't care about this. It's, the, it's what happens on the inside of you when you can let go of your attachment to your idea mm -hmm. of how things should be. Right. And I think too, a lot of it is, I remember in my earlier step, I mean, I don't think Dan and I were even married yet. We'd only been together a couple of years. And I think that is when I started looking for help a couple of years in just saying to myself, this can't be, you know, I'm really struggling with this. This can't be normal. Like I really need some outside help. And I remember the stepmom books, the couple stepmom books I found talked about oh, you know, take a step back and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what? that's crazy advice. That's yeah. crazy. We're trying to build a family. I need to be, I can't, what are you t talking about walking yeah. away from it? I can't walk away from it. And so I really didn't understand that advice the way I understand it now. And even now I do, I talk to step parents who have that same attitude that I did. And I get it because I was there. And it's absolutely one of those things, you know, people are very casual I think more seasoned step parents who are a little further down the road very casually say, Oh, don't take it personally. But there isn't that explanation of how to not take it personally. Right. And it feels very personal because it is very personal. It's very personal. It's your family. There's nothing that is more, you're being rejected by this kid that you think you're coming in to be this parent figure to that. I can't think of anything more personal. And at the same time, it isn't personal, you know, and it's so hard to understand it when you are in the middle of it. It is just impossible to understand that stepping away can make things better. For me, especially coming in, I, I came into the relationship with Dan. I was already a single mom. So I had a lot of emotional investment in wanting to give my daughter a quote unquote real family right I really wanted that for her I really wanted her to have this sister I really wanted her to have this great father figure and that was huge for me so the idea of not fighting just tooth and nail to achieve that was no way I could not I am a scrapper have always yeah. been a scrapper will never not be a scrapper so the idea of walking away from what I perceived, I should say, as walking away from this one thing that was the most important thing to me was inconceivable. So I, but, but then in hindsight, looking at it, that is because I was super wrong about my own preconceptions about the step parenting role, what makes a good stepmom, what a functional blended family looks like. I had a lot, I was coming in with a lot of wrong information as I think 
probably close to 100% of us yeah. do as step parents. We yeah. come in with wrong ideas from a good place. Again, we're, we have the best of intentions, but boy, those best intentions will, will just absolutely kill us along the way. You know? Absolutely. I, that's just it. And I, I sometimes go as far to say that, you know, you, you have to kind of unplug your GPS because yeah. you, your GPS is being powered by, among other things, your maternal instinct, which is yeah. not going to help you as a stepmother. And that is the weirdest thing for people to wrap their heads around. Isn't it? For sure. I have said, and I, I really want to, I haven't yet, but I plan on writing a blog post on this because I really think that being a good mom made me a worse stepmom. Isn't that weird? It, it's crazy. And also being a kid person, like I'm a total kid yep. person, thought that would count for me, counted against me. And it was just so, I just thought when I, you know, when I started looking for resources, I kind of had this idea in my head, like, oh, that must be for stepmoms who don't really like kids, yeah. you know, or like aren't parents or clearly, yeah. if you know what kids are like, it's not going to be that hard. And Sorry, sorry, all child-free stepmoms. <laughs> I, I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, it turns out it's just as hard for me. So totally, yeah, totally. And there are so many things at play. I have done a lot of studying in um, in a field called family constellation therapy. I don't know if that's something oh, that you're familiar with. I haven't, but, but I just love the name already. It's unbelievably interesting. And I've been into this for the last 15 or so years. Um, mm -hmm. I haven't, I've never trained formally in it, but I have participated and I've read a lot about it. And um, what you, what you learn when you experience family constellation therapy is the very real present palpable energetic bonds between members of a family and mm -hmm. um and that uh you know when the when the family splits up uh the kids are are now in a kind of deficit position with respect to both their mom and their dad even if they spend lots of time with each of them their tank is empty of dad mm -hmm. when they come to see dad and you as a stepmom are like literally the only thing in the way between them getting what they need from their dad. And so mm -hmm. if, you, if you don't make it your business to actively show them that you're, you are giving them more dad than they would get if you weren't there, mm -hmm. then, then you are reinforcing the archetype that's inside of all of us of a, you know, a stepmom figure who could somehow right. take your dad away. That's, that's the default idea of you. And, and that my, this is like my personal idea based on what I've learned is that the, 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 uh, the most effective role for a stepmom is to do all the little things that help the kids to feel more connected to their dad. Hmm. Because mm -hmm. that that's operating on a level of like when we look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you're familiar with that pyramid of yes. needs, right? Right. So the very bottom level of the pyramid are 
like, like physical needs of life, like food and water and air. And then the next important thing is safety and security needs. And mm -hmm. a child is completely and totally dependent on their parents for safety and security, like, well, at least until age seven or eight. And in our society, really probably more until their, their teenage years. And um, your, the, the, the next level up is belongingness, love and belongingness needs. And that's where the stepmom comes into the picture. You're, you know, you have belongingness needs that are being met by your partner and by extension, the, the family, but you're competing with their safety needs, which are going to trump yours every time. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you have suntan needs and you're lying on a rubber raft and someone else has drowning needs, they're, they're going to throw you off. Like you can't, you're not, there's no way that you can win. So we just have to respect where everybody is in this dynamic. And the kids are in a survival place and right. they just need to fill up their tank of dad. And, yeah. uh, and your belongingness needs will get taken care of down the road. It's so hard to, to play the long game when you're in it on a day-to-day -day basis and you're getting mm -hmm. kind of slapped around by the wind and the waves or whatever, it's very, very hard to, to just say, you know, I'm in this for the next 40 years. And yeah, you know, yeah. this is going to be five years of me, you know, doing something that feels maybe a little bit uncomfortable, but this is what it's going to take to get everybody to kind of calm down and settle in and, and feel good and right so yeah I I, I was gonna say I you know there was never a time in dating Dan that I didn't understand that when his daughter came she needed that time with him and we had to prioritize that happening and I never expected that especially not early in their relationship that I never expected to trump that or wanted to, and I didn't want to, but I also really resented being pushed to the side. And yeah. sometimes quite literally she would come sit in between us and push me to one side and him do nothing. And so, which is a whole separate conversation, but I think it is, I think it's really hard to understand in that moment while logically I understood what was happening the reality of how emotionally painful experiencing that is really, really, really challenges your ability to logic your way through that. Oh, yeah. And I, and I also think the sheer length of time it takes to blend a family and have things become normal is, is something that we are not prepared for as new step parents in any way. And even though I remember reading that statistic like five to seven years to blend a family yeah. right up to 10 in high yeah. conflict, which we certainly were. It, it did not click. It yeah. did not click. And so at two years in, when I read that statistic and it did kind of sink in, I was like, I, no way. There's yeah. no yeah. way. I'm only 25% of the way yeah. there. Like yeah. I can't. And I, and even at, we got married, I think about four years, we've been together about four years when we got married and even then things were, and things got worse after that. Yeah. And I was like, this is crazy how, and I really felt like we were broken. And I did not understand at that time that, like you said, 
this is the long con. You are in it for the long haul. And in a way that in a traditional marriage, you're not, or you don't, you don't have to, you don't have to kind of brace yourself for the way you do when you're a yeah. step parent where it, you, you know, like, I, like, again, I expected like no problem with my stepdaughter needing Dan's attention, but I guess my concept was that would wear off in months, mm-hmm. not decades. Right. You know? Yeah. So it's, it, ha- it was a very, it was a very difficult transition and realization. And also again, when, when what you want, your primary focus as a step parent is to create this family, her rejecting you and wanting nothing to do with you being in her life whatsoever is, I, I mean, that is um, just kind of the, <laughs> I can't think of a good way to end that sentence. The yeah. worst. It's yeah. just absolutely the worst. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And I mean, I feel, I feel very lucky that I didn't have that at the beginning, but I've mm-hmm. definitely had it recently and mm. that's 12 years in so that's hard it's something that can um that can you know show up at any time yeah and yeah th- those are uh, uh you know i i think we can't even have this you know whole conversation without talking about a loyalty you know the the loyalty issue and what that's all about and i think a lot of people have a misconception um, that a loyalty has to do with a child having to choose sides or something and feeling, you know, feeling like uh, I need to be on mom's side or I need to be on dad's side or, you know, the, my mom is telling me, um, you know, mean things or my mom is coaching me in how to be disruptive in the other household that that's not loyalty that's parental alienation right and loyalty is happening so deep on the inside it's so unconscious that loyalty happens when the kid is feeling good about you and then they right. and then they hate themselves because they feel disloyal inside their heart so right lo- you know the loyalty bind is activated when the kid feels good and wants right. to be part of your family. And now you're in the crapper because right. how do you deal with that? How do you, how do you fix a problem that is generated by you having a good, uh, you know, impression, making a good impression? Right. I've actually heard that the amount that a stepchild rejects you is directly proportionate to how much they actually secretly like you. I, that doesn't because surprise me. The, the, the more they like you, the more they feel that they're betraying their parents. Correct. And so, so they have to be really, really clear (laughs) with, with everybody, including themselves about just how much they don't want you around. So, and then to bring that back to disengaging, because that is the perfect tie back to disengaging. So then when you, as the step parent continue doing nice things for your step kid and parenting things, it's just reinforcing that, right. that loyalty bind and that conflict within right. your stepkid where they, they not only can't admit that they like you, but they cannot accept parenting from you right. without that being a betrayal as well. Even something simple, like the example that I always love to use is packing my stepdaughter's lunches yeah. where she, nope. <laughs> she would not, you know, you already know where I'm going with it. She yeah. wouldn't eat the lunch if I packed it. And then she, she would 
tell, not complain to Dan, but complain to her mom, go home and tell her mom, oh, Mara doesn't put enough food in my lunch. So then we would hear from Dan's ex, you know, well, Mara's not putting enough food in, in her lunch. And so then I would, I put more food. I literally had so much food in her lunch bag. You could not close her lunch bag all the way at the top. And still, I've still got the same message. Mara's not putting enough food in her, in her lunch. And then I, so I started saying, okay, well, maybe she's a kid. So maybe she's not explaining it well. And so it isn't that it's not enough food, but it's not enough of the food that she likes. So then I started, and this sounds ridiculous, but like you, you really do go to like the place of crazy town when (laughs) you're trying to win over a resistant 10 year old, right? Like it's ridiculous the lengths that we will go to to try to get approval from the yeah. from our stepkids like ridiculous so so I'm like okay well here's what I put in your lunch I put this and I put this and I put this and is that enough food for you are these all foods that you like and I already knew I was putting stuff in her lunch that I knew she liked because why wouldn't I yeah. of course I'm checking that ahead of time you know oh yeah yeah that's enough food yeah that's all oh yeah I like that that sounds like yeah. a great lunch. same problem Yes. Still getting complaints. And that was when I was like, okay, Dan, you're packing lunches. And I disengaged from doing that. And he would put literally the same foods in there and she would eat them from him. She would not eat them from me. And it sounds nuts, but it also sounds a little nuts that I kept packing lunches for that long. But again, I think we're deceived by, it seems like this solvable problem that's going to go away, right? It seems like, well, this isn't a big, oh, there's not enough food. Okay, well, no big, I'll just put more food. Oh, it's the wrong, I'll just put different food. We just have this idea that I can fix this. This is a a solvable thing. Some things I can't control, but this thing I can fix. No, can't control that either. Sorry to break it to you. Yeah, because it's not about that. No, no, not at all. And so I think that that when, 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 we're, when I'm talking about disengaging, I like to use that example because it is so absurd, but, but that's why it's perfect is because the, the point that you reach where you do need to disengage is itself absurd. And the fact that, um, the fact that we, we go to such lengths to try to win over these kids who are not ready for a relationship with us yet. And to me, that is a huge underlying foundation of disengaging is first acknowledging the kids would not be pushing us away if they wanted to have a relationship with us. It's not like they want that. Oh, I really want it, but I'm just going to be a jerk to you. Mm -mm. They have to come around to it in their own time and it is never going to improve. I don't care how many lunches you pack or what you put in them in those lunches. No one's going to eat that lunch until they feel okay about you being the human who is packing that lunch for them. And there's nothing that you can do or say. We have this idea that we, some, there is some magic formula out there that will win that stepkid over, that's going to get that lunch eaten. If I just make more of their favorite foods at dinner, right, if right. I just buy them more presents, if I just whatever, we think that there's a magic formula that that is going to win them over. And it's never going to happen. And so I think disengaging too is about letting go of that inaccurate belief that we can control the outcome and we can't right we're never going to have a relationship with our stepkids until they are ready to have a relationship with us and we don't have any control over when that is going to occur yeah i agree with you completely i i answered a a post on a facebook group just this week uh, and it was interesting what happened afterwards so the woman was complaining very much like what you've just said that 
you know, I make this supper that the kids really like and then they won't eat it. And, you know, this is happening repeatedly and, um, you know, it's making me crazy and I get so angry and, and, uh, and I wrote back and said the simplest answer to this, although I did a whole, I did a week long food challenge in my Facebook group about how to feed stepkids <laughs> in a different way than you feed your <laughs> biological kids. Cause it is totally different feeding stepkids. Yeah, it's it really, totally different. It really from, really you know, is. I'm a, I'm a natural health practitioner. So, you know, if we want to talk about um, nutrition, you know, lots of moms are um, very conscious of nutrition and getting their kids the right, you know, vitamins and minerals and fiber and probiotics and enough protein and all those things. It's a completely different game, how to get those things into a stepchild than a, totally. than a biological child. So I did a whole yeah. week, you know, week of videos about this, but, um, but I, I wrote back and said, the simple answer is you get dad to call the kids to the table. You get him to put the dinner on the plate and to put the plate in front of a child and they'll eat mm -hmm. it. And what happened after I posted that was I started hearing from other stepmoms who said, oh my God, I totally do that at home. It works every time. Ha ha ha. <laughs> like laughing, <laughs> crying, laughing emoji, right? And, and that, yeah. so like, there's, we struggle so hard for, with like, with this weird wrong idea. It's like when there's a jar in the fridge that you'd like, oh, totally have to open yeah. and you work so hard at it. And then, you know, somebody else comes along, grabs one of those rubber things and goes, you know, opens it one right. second. Like there's a simple answer to this. Like there's a lever that will, you just pull this lever to make, to make this so much easier. And the, it, the only thing in the way of making it easier is our attachment to trying harder and, um, yep. you know, the, the better, like you said, the better a mom you are and right. the more, the more tricks and tools you have to apply, the longer it takes you to let go of all of that and say, it's not about that. Right. And, w and with the dinner thing too, I would say, you know, even bigger picture, letting go of your need for the kids to eat the dinner. Exactly. So you need to decide at the outset. Um, and dinner is an example that I use too about disengaging, which is that it was really important to me just as a person, like stepmom aside, family dinners to me are a cornerstone. Like in my house growing up when I was a kid, family dinners were sacrosanct. Like you did not miss family dinner for yeah. anything. You know, you, it had to be pretty serious for you to miss family dinner. And I, that is important to me. And to me, that is a cornerstone of any family, yeah. including a blended family. So when I, when Dan and I moved in together, I was adamant that we have family dinners. Like I want family dinners. And, um, and so by God, we had family dinners. And however, because, so when I was growing up, we were committed to our family dinners, but I won't say that they were the happiest of occasions. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, my brother was a stressful picky eater like he would cry on casserole nights you know it wasn't it wasn't like all loving games around the dinner table yeah. so I didn't have the expectation that we would have happy family dinners whatsoever I just wanted us all at the table and to have that time together and I didn't care if people ate their food and I didn't care like I just wanted that foundation you yeah. know therefore 
I really was pleased with our family dinners as a blended family because I'm like, great, this check marks all my boxes, which is one box, which is that we are all here together. That is my only box about family dinner. Don't care if people eat their food. Like, not that I'm, you know, thrilled yeah. that my stepdaughter is like pushing food around on her plate and not eating. I'm not thrilled with that. But my, when my goal is just for all of us to be at the table, yeah. that goal is fulfilled. Yeah. So if I can let go of the need, you know, but if I were really attached to this, you know, the fairyland idea of we're all going to have a lovely, happy meal and all the kids are going to love eating their delicious, nutritious food that I cooked for them, I would absolutely be disappointed every night. So a lot of it is, is our own expectations going into it for the outcomes that we hope to see. What outcome are we looking for? Because when we're too attached to that outcome, that's when we really get super tangled up in knots, you know, like, yeah. like the lunch thing where I had this idea, like, if I just make the, the perfect lunch, she'll eat the lunch, yeah. you know, yeah. and like, yeah, just let it go. Whereas if I would have been like, oh, I don't care. I'm sending her food. If she's hungry, she'll eat then I would have made her lunches forever because I wouldn't have cared, you know? Yeah. Well, the, the title that I gave to the uh, Facebook series that I did last year on this topic was let them eat cake. Yeah. Perfect. Um, And that was by, you know, the foundation was that you can get nutrition into those kids a hundred ways. I can tell you how to do it. But mm-hmm. supper time is when everybody sits down at the table together and you have a family meal and they can eat or not eat. You can make, give them bread and butter. They can have peanut butter sandwich. It, it, they, yep. You have to let go of, of trying to check off all the boxes in the same, like yep. you just said, you know, the important yeah. box is that you're all sitting there. Right. And, um, you know, that is not a time to also fuss about, clearing you know cleaning your plate eating all the peas whatever um you know there's so many different ways to approach that and obviously dad doing the cooking is is the the very best one but um yeah but right just letting go of that struggle right right I when I think about all the time I did a whole blog post on this about ketchup my stepdaughter's ketchup addiction and just how much time and energy I wasted trying to control her ketchup intake. What a waste. I mean, just in every sense, including a waste of, of ketchup. Of ketchup. But, <laughs> but just, you know, I, and in, my, in my post, I talk about how ultimately it was not um, the ketchup I was trying to control. I just only thought it was about ketchup. It's really not about the ketchup. It's about we perceive these small normal issues like table manners, ketchup, picking up your socks, hanging up your towels. These, these seem like normal, controllable, solvable things when we are drowning in a sea of what we can't control, custody yeah. battles, changing visitation schedules, a high conflict X, parental alienation, uh, child support payments, like all this stuff that we have no say in, no control over, and we're just flailing around really for anything that we perceive that we can control. And so I think that that need to control the kids eating is a common way that it comes out, yeah. but really anything, I mean, anything that we are trying to control in our stepkids, that's how it's coming out. And I think once we make peace with the fact that we really cannot control any of that stuff, 
that is when things start to turn around. And it's so hard. I, I mean, I say it casually, like, oh, just acknowledge that you can't control any of it. Like, <laughs> it's a years long process. So and working daily. It I, is. And I'm I acknowledging think, that. I think you'll probably agree. Like when you when you talk about having an aha moment, um, the the women who I hear uh, in my group anyway, talking about their experiences of disengaging there's an element of like epiphany about this. Like there's a moment where you, you get something that you didn't get before. And now that you get it, um, everything has changed. And that's why you hear people saying, Oh my God, this totally changed my life because yeah. it really does. And you, it's like you step through a door where, or you step through a door that you didn't know was there before it looked like yeah. a wall and, and suddenly yeah. you saw a door there and you step through and you go, holy shit, what was that all about? What was I thinking? You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think that you, you know that you're doing the right thing when it feels, um, it feels big like that. It feels like an ah. Uh, sometimes that's when you're ready to try it. But sometimes people try in little wee, in little wee steps. But I yeah. think the, the, the message that we both want people to take away from this is that disengaging makes things better, not just for you, because you're throwing up your hands and saying, okay, I'm going to let go of that burden, but it makes your relationship better. It really does. Yeah. And I, I also like to say disengaging is we have this, this idea that disengaging is about just not dealing with our stepkids, but it really isn't that. I, to me, disengaging is about disengaging from our own expectations, yes. our incorrect expectations, disengaging from our own preconceptions and making peace with reality. You know that, I don't know if you've read Byron Katie, but you know, that mm -hmm. loving what is kind yeah. of, Hey, this is reality and I can beat my head bloody against it, or I can, work on accepting it and accepting it is, is in a lot of ways harder, but long-term, if you're fighting against it, you're never going to get anywhere either. Cause it's not going to change reality. It is what it is. So acknowledging that first to me, that is the, that is really the, the guts of disengaging is accept that this is what it is, except that no one's ever going to eat that lunch if I pack it. And I don't have to like that reality, but that is the reality so I need to stop lying to myself about the lunch yeah. <laughs> and just solve all those problems. You know, it solves so many problems to disengage, not because, not because I'm giving up and walking away, but because I recognize that this is a place where, where my energies are being wasted. And there are so many other places that I could put that energy and maybe see some results. Right. Like, for example, into me being more at peace with the situation as it is yeah. and accepting that my stepdaughter isn't ready for a relationship with me yet and put your energy there instead, put your energy into yourself and you can't go wrong. You know, yeah. what, what, what was my own daughter doing while I was spending all of these hours and days ripping my hair out over school lunches mm -hmm. and how much ketchup my stepdaughter was using, you know? So put your energy places where it will nourish and instead of just getting dumped out on the rocky soil. That's Parmesan cheese in my house, by the way. Mm, well, 
if it had been Parmesan, I probably wouldn't have had an issue with it's it. A, Who doesn't a, love Parmesan? It's a snowstorm. <laughs> it's a snowstorm. Yeah. Um, no, I can tell you that, um, like that, my um, the the flavor of disengaging in my house was uh, not so much around that, but around um, my husband feeling resentful that he perceived that I was um, taking the, the kids side when he would be trying to be mm. hard on them. And I felt mm. like he was being unreasonably hard on them. And mm -hmm. so sometimes he would throw something out about, you know, well, have you done your homework yet or whatever? And I would go <laughs> like, I would laugh because I know that they've already done three or four hours of homework today and he wasn't around right. and, you know, whatever, but he would see that as me like ganging up somehow with them against him right. or that, you know, he would insist on something and I would sort of say, you're, that's too harsh. Like you're being yeah. too harsh. So he'd let me know that he really didn't like that. And there was a period of time where I just was biting my lip so hard that I think I was like drawing blood on a daily basis. <laughs> yeah. Because so I, I had to there, really, right? <laughs> really um, stop myself from my natural inclination to be um, nurturing and supportive towards them. Because in this moment, he doesn't want to offer them that. He wants yeah. to parent in this way, which is all about um, sort of being a disciplinarian. And uh, like the stupid thing is that his kids are super good and they never get into any kind of trouble and they work really hard. Right. But he has a model that he needs to follow of being a disciplinarian dad. And so he, sure. has, to, he has to parrot these words and say, I'm the dad and you're going to do what I say. And like, you know what? Like, it's none of my business to interfere in the heritage of how all of this gets passed, all the energy that's getting passed from his grandfather and his father through him down to his kids, like they're on a journey and, mm -hmm. and I don't get to interfere with that. So my, totally. my disengaging was, was where I had to wrench myself out of the middle of that and just mm -hmm. say, they are having an authentic experience hmm. of their dad mm -hmm. right now. And it's, he's not my dad. It's not the way I would choose to do things, but this is their authentic relationship. And it, if what they need is to grow into a place where they can tell him to back off, then that needs to happen. Or they need to have these collective memories together so that 20 years from now they can say, do you remember when dad used to say blah, blah, blah? Like, <laughs> Yeah. Like, this is their, you know, this is their thing. And, you know, I, so that for me was like, that was my epiphany when I could say, I can, I'm letting go of my need for this to look the way I think it's supposed to look. Yeah. Um, even though I know that I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Of course. We're absolutely right. Yeah. I think step parents are, we are so particularly cursed with the, the 
I keep wanting to say gift, but I don't know, like the cursed gift of the being the outside observer. Yeah. So we come in from the outside and instantly we can see everything that's jacked up about this family, right? Yeah. We can see, okay, well, here's where you need, even without knowing about things like boundaries yeah. or high conflict or whatever, instantly I can see, okay, well, this is a problem. This is a problem with like, I, I might not know much, but I know about kids and I, can tell you that raising a kid with no accountability or responsibility whatsoever is a terrible idea. And I might not be an expert on exes, but I can tell you that having your ex run our relationship is a terrible idea. You know, we have this and, but then because we're newcomers, everyone else who's already in the existing family structure just rejects us. Like, well, you don't know, you haven't been here. They're not your kids, not your story. But to your point of, I love what you say about kind of that legacy, kind of honoring that legacy, that is the the parenting legacy between a parent and their child. You know, we don't have to agree with how our partners want to raise their kids, but we do have to, at some point, make our peace with the reality that doesn't matter if we don't agree, they are their children and they are entitled to parent the way that they think is the best way to parent. And I also... In, in again, in hindsight, it, it was probably a couple years after disengage, after reading the disengaging essay, it took a minute to step back and kind of have things settle a little bit. And it, um, Dan's thing, Dan is a total helicopter parent to a ridiculous degree. And, and our kids are the same age. We have, we each have one daughter and they're the exact same age. So that made it sometimes a little painful where I would see my stepdaughter, you know, there's something that she can't do or won't do that my daughter has been doing by herself for years. And it frustrated me a lot because I felt like Dan was really shortchanging his daughter and really crippling her ability to become an independent adult later in life. You know, he's not encouraging her to have faith in her own abilities. He's not encouraging her to know her own worth in letting her try things herself and learn that she can do them herself. You know, he is tying her shoes for her. And I remember having a conversation with him when, you know, we were first dating, maybe in the first year that we were dating where he's tying her hiking boots up. And I said, do you ever, you know, can you, you know, she's sitting there for probably half hour while he's loading the car with her shoes untied, waiting for him to come and tie her shoes for her. And I said, I finally said, why don't you just have her tie them herself? And he said, Oh, she just likes when I do it. And I said, I, I said, are you sure that's it? Or can she tie her own shoes? Well, of course she can. I said, are you sure? (laughs) Because I honestly wasn't sure. And I, I still am not sure, but I feel really bad now looking back on that moment because the reality is he and his daughter both benefited from him tying her shoes for her. She needed him to be, have her on a pedestal, put her on a pedestal, make sure she felt special reassure her that he was going to take care of her and drop everything for her. She needed that reassurance from him and he needed to feel needed by her. Mm-hmm. And I had no right to come in and step on that. I really didn't. And mm-hmm. I feel really bad about that's one example out of probably about a bajillion <laughs> that I could name that it seems on the, on paper, it seems like good parenting. Like, it seems like I'm helping, you know, it seemed at the time, like I was helping. I, I know, I, I mean, what I said didn't come from a mean or bad place. Like I really want to encourage my stepdaughter to 
well, she should be able to tie her own shoes and, and, and not wait around on someone to, to come and help her. I don't want her to feel like she's helpless. And, you know, but I just really didn't understand the dynamics at play. And it's been very humbling um, later in my step parenting journey. It's been very humbling looking back at the beginning and being like, wow, I really biffed that. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I, I can completely relate because um, when my husband, um, well, we have a funny story because, uh, he, he was my roommate for four years before we got together five years. Wow. And, uh, so he had rented a room in my house. I, I had been separated or divorced from my first husband for a year or two. And he was working in the city where I live um, on a one-year contract and Mm. needed a place to stay for three or four nights a week. And we had been uh, put together by somebody who knew both of us, a colleague at work. And uh, so when he first lived away, uh, his daughter was only two. His kids were two, three, and seven, maybe. Mm. And, And so that went on for five years until the one year, the one year contract, the one year contract (laughs) turned into a permanent position. And Mm. then, um, uh, and I mean, the one year contract and initially, according to him, because he told me this on the day that he came, that it was kind of an alternative to getting divorced. I mean, that there, Mm, there was a great deal of tension at home and, and he thought this is kind of going to be a perfect situation. I'll work away and I'll just go back and forth. I'll go home on the weekends and we'll have all this time apart and it will, you know, cool off all these tensions, but it, it really didn't work. And after five years, he was ready to pack (laughs) it in. And, you know, so, so from the, you know, from that age, um, he, he had been the chief cook and bottle washer in their home. Um, Mm -hmm. he was making all the meals and doing bath time and bedtime. And, you know, he was very, very hands-on dad. And he didn't get to do those things for her. So, you know, now at 19, he still, um, you know, makes her breakfast, which she loves, and washes her dishes, which she loves. And yet, you know, I mean, she's got a full-time job now where she is the most prized employee for being the most meticulous, the hardest working. She cleans like there's no tomorrow, but not here. And yeah. And, (laughs) you know, and I know there's a lot of women who would, you know, complain about that. And yet, for me, it's a beautiful, like, point of, point of, I don't know what's the word to call it, but it's an intersection of his care and her need that are, they both are getting something really profound from that. And it's not going to last forever. Yeah, uh, because at one point, you know, she'll be moved out and have a place of her own. He won't get to do that yeah. anymore. And he re- he really missed it last year. She was at college and uh, he was devastated when we were empty nesters, you know. So, yeah. Um, and maybe and maybe a little bit of a healing moment for both of them, too. Absolutely. That kind of mor- mourning those lost years of her childhood when he couldn't be that person That's right. for her. That's and right. not that not that anything can make up for that lost time, but just to have even you know Dan, if he even just has a you know he's happy to 
spend 20 minutes in the car with, with any kid really, but you know, certainly ours, but with his daughter, if he, any amount of time he can spend with her for any reason lights up his whole, yeah. his whole yeah. week. Yes. And it is, it is both beautiful and heartbreaking to see because I, I really hate that, that, that time with her was, was taken from him. Um, but, but I really love that when you, when you're in a situation where you're, you're parenting like that or you're growing up in households like that where you're not with a parent full time. We really, I think it really does bring a lovely appreciation for the, for the moment that you don't get in a traditional family Yeah. where when, when all four of us are together and even if we're just doing something silly, um, if we are all four of us together, it feels like a miracle every time. If we're mm-hmm. getting, well, I should clarify, like, and getting along. Yeah. If we're, we're all together and we're happy to all be together, it is a victory. It feels like a victory. And it, and it, it does because we've been through so much and we have come so far. Really doesn't matter if there's drama the day before that or after that. It doesn't matter to me. I'm so happy to have those little strung together moments here and there has really become enough for me. And I never would have believed that, you know, 10 years ago. Um, but it, it really, you really start appreciating the, the little things, you know, just that moment where he can cook breakfast for her. And I just, that is such a beautiful little story. Well, I think that's really lovely. And that speaks to, um, the importance of, of um, like consciously noting those little win moments and, For sure. and, you know, building them up and holding them close to your heart, you know, because that's what yeah. gets you through the, the not so great times. Yeah, I completely. And I, that is a learned skill and it is really sucks to try to learn it when you're already under fire. It really sucks. Yeah. And I think a lot about step parenting I think it's sort of a trial by fire in general for a lot of very valuable life skills and emotional growth, but it just, it's, but unfortunately it's all happening at once at light speed. And so I think a lot of the lessons that I've learned from being a stepmom and coming into a blended family, I probably would have okay. eventually learned them. I like to think that I would have learned this stuff at some point, but to learn it under those circumstances was so intense and so intensive, you know, yeah. it, was, it was hard emotionally and it was also just a lot and all at once, you know, you, you, and I really don't know any other circumstances where you would be forced to have to adapt that much that quickly in such a short amount of time. Like maybe having a newborn is the only thing I'm, that is kind of popping to mind or, like a tragic car accident where you're paralyzed, like, Oh, well, suddenly everything is different. Yeah. And now we just have to adapt. Yeah. And I, I think the problem with blending a family is you don't, you don't realize suddenly everything is different. you think it's, yeah. you know, you think it's, oh, it's like, like a regular family. Sure. But it, it really isn't. No. So you're kind of, I think that that halts our progress for a little bit, especially in the earlier, in the early years. For sure. Well, this has been, extremely wonderful I love talking oh, with you sure. I hope we'll do this again yeah but definitely would you like to um tell the listeners how they can connect with you and uh sure I am you? at sure my website is blendedfamilyfrappe.com you can also just google the disengaging essay and I my site is the first one that comes up 
Uh, and I'm also on Instagram as Blended Family Frappe. Awesome. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you for doing this. I, Thanks, it was Tracy. really great, so really great talking with you. And I'm so enjoying getting your um, Sunday evening emails. Oh, uh, yeah, so, my, my newsletter. <laughs> uh, no, it's fantastic writing. I'm, I'm really loving it. So if anybody's listening, you, I'm sure they can get on your mailing list and, and get yep, your email. You can, yep, there is a big button that says to join the tribe, and you can just subscribe. I send out just a weekly newsletter every Sunday, kind of sometimes stories and sometimes just little positive encouragements and um, sometimes um, sometimes links to deals and stuff so great yeah great well um yeah i encourage everybody to follow that up and get more of marit thanks so, tracy thank you so much and yeah really like i'm gonna we're let's pretend we're not recording anymore and i can just say okay i'm ready I, okay i can just say goodbye because this was great that's all for this episode and for this season. If you've been enjoying this podcast, make sure to subscribe and you'll get notified as soon as season two begins. I hope you'll leave us a rating or a review on iTunes. It really truly helps us get in front of other stepmoms who will be just as glad to find us as you've been. If you can't wait for season two and you want to hear my step parenting advice all put together into orderly learning modules with a workbook and everything so you can just like know it all right now on topics like discipline, step family dynamics, parenting styles, high conflict biological moms, bonding with stepkids, dealing with teenagers, and healing from stepmom burnout. Join me and a bunch of like-minded women for Stepmom Success Lab. I call this a turbo training program because I've packed a huge amount of information into five one-hour course modules, so it just doesn't get any faster than that. You can do it a week at a time as I send it out, or you can actually access it all right away and binge watch it in a single weekend. You can listen podcast style, or you can watch me on video, or both, because when you register, you get lifetime access. I'm adding a crazy bonus to this, which is a linked index giving you access to my unlisted video vault of over 50 stepmom tutorial videos. You can look them up by topic and by title or just browse through them right on YouTube. This is something that's not for sale anywhere and the only way to get it is to sign up for this program. You can find out everything you need at training.essentialstepmom.com that's training.essentialstepmom.com. And if you act fast enough, you can get in on the early bird pricing and save a few bucks. The first five people to register will also get a free one hour private coaching session with me. So if that's something that sounds appealing, jump on it fast because I think these are going to go fast. Once again, visit training.essentialstepmom.com for all the details. As always, you can reach me with questions or comments at info at essentialstepmom.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you for Season 2 on October 15th. I look forward to answering listener questions in Season 2, so drop me a line. <laughs>